0: Jesus, we thank you so much for letting us be here right now. It's your sovereignty that we have this grace, that we have this opportunity to worship you. And we pray that you would ready our hearts, you would steady them, and even through the song, we help us surrender everything. Anything that we walked into this room with, would we let it all down? Would we leave it up to you? Would we cast any anxiety on you because you care about us? We pray that the word would strike hard for us tonight, and it would sink deep, and it would be something that we meditate on, something we would think about, and that we would murmur to ourselves throughout the day, and that's how deep the word would go. The word would go so deep tonight that we would do something about it as well. We would apply it to ourselves, and God, speak to each and every one of us right now. We pray that you would show up. Your Holy Spirit would be here, right next with us, right here in this place. It would not matter if you're not here, God, but you are here. You're living, you're in action, and you are working. And you're graceful, and you're full of full of mercy. So, God, even now, through worship and through just worship and glorifying you through your study of your Word, um, we pray that you would bless the Word tonight, bless the people that got to come, and thank you so much for this time. Would you be with Chris if he shares the Word? And God, thank you all for your glory in the name
1: Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight's scriptures will be in Acts 26, 1 to 11. And the word of God goes. So Agrippa said to Paul. Oh, let
2: me... All "Right,
1: right, let's start now. So. so Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for, for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the custom and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our Father, to the which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earn, earnestly worship night and day. For And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews, O King. Why is it, though, incred, incredible by any of you that God raised the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things and opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I pushed them off often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blameless and raging fury against them and persecuted them even
2: in the foreign cities. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge again that the words we have read are holy, they are precious. And that the tension and the struggle is uh now in our faith to really receive it. Um to want to interact with the Bible in a way where we believe that there's good stuff in these 11 verses. We we pray for a lot of faith, Lord. We pray for a lot of anointing of the imagination. We pray Uh, that you Holy Spirit would illuminate the heart and mind, uh, the Bible for our hearts and minds in such a way that we are moved and we are fired up and we are filled and we are sent. And so once again, Lord, we thank you so much for the grace of the word of God in the middle of a week. And we pray that you administer to us now in the various ways that you uh, need to do and you always do so faithfully. So lead us now in this time of study. Father, take us into your word. We love you. Let us be men and women who delight in the law of the Lord. Be with us now in Christ, So I had titled this. You saw it on the slide right there: are Fishers of Men. Do we have any fishermen in the house? Oh, raise your hand if you've gone fishing before. Gone fishing. Okay, keep keep your hand up. That's that's awesome. That's like the whole, Isaiah. Come on, join the party. Have you gone fishing? Participation. They ask people online. No, no, no. Um, if you've got, keep your hands up, because that's like everybody. Uh, if you've gone fishing and consider yourself a fisherman, keep it up. Cami. Cami's a fisherwoman. And Leo. Okay, um, you can put your hands down. Um, the first time I ever went fishing was freshman year. McKinley, one of the four schools I went to. PE, because McKinley was across the street from Alawana Beach Park. And we took our bamboos and our string and our hooks and our King's Hawaiian bread. We walked across the street as a class and we pinched the bread on the hook and we cast it out and all the tilapia is just choo 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 And then, um, you know, you get a bite here or there and you see kind of some of the Kolohe guys, like they get a bite and they're like, yeah, yeah, you are swinging the fisher hound. Um, but that was my first time ever going fishing. And, um, you know, it wasn't... I don't know if you'd count that real fishing, but I mean, we were, we were fishing and uh, it wasn't as easy as it looked. I, it it seems so simple, like a pole and a string and a hook and bait and you, you'll get a grab. And it, it just, I remember freshman year feeling like, I hate fishing. This is hard. <laughs> like, this is not as easy as it looked. Um, I, I never got into casting or pole fishing but the closest thing next that I did get into is spearfishing um I know I spearfish I that's probably why Kaleo left his hand up right not because of casting right uh, sorry. okay so spearfishing that's still fisherman stuff Kaleo is a Kaleo you could have kept your hand up too then because he he catches fish but you know um for spearfishing uh that one was I never wanted to get into spearfishing actually a lot of the hobbies that i I do in my life I never wanted to do it uh it just kind of happened Uh, My friend said, you got to. And I said, I don't want to. And I went on a a fishing trip, a spearfishing trip. And I was the driver. I just dropped them off. And I go to the beach house and chill out all day and and pick them up at the end of the night. And then the last day of the trip, they said, you have to suit up. And they just put a suit on me. They put fins on me. And I jumped in the water with a three-prong. And by the end of the day, I was hooked. I loved it. But it was still super hard. Um, It took months of Training preparation, it took a lot of practice, a ton of practice, and here's another thing a ton of patience for me until I finally caught my first legit fish like a real fish that I caught on purpose. And it was the fish I wanted and I was hoping for, and I got it. Um, it took a lot of practice and it took a lot of time, but something about fishing as well is it it takes, requires a lot of skill, requires a lot of practice. It requires a lot of patience, but it does require learning from people who know what they're doing. I think in middle school or high school at McKinley, the reason why a bunch of us couldn't catch was because none of us were fishermen. And and I think our PE teacher sure was not because they just kind of sat in the shade while we were all like, (laughs) we had guys like slapping the water and just trying to throw things in there. But, you know, we could have tried all day and been as patient as we want, but we didn't have someone to follow. You know what I mean? Now, I was fortunate when I got into spearfishing, I had a bunch of friends that I could follow, that I could learn from. Um, Matthew 4, verse 19. Before this, Jesus starts his ministry, starts preaching the gospel. And then finally, in verse 14, when he starts to call his disciples... Listen to this. He says this in verse 19. He said to them, follow me and I'll make you. And here's the illustrative he, work, he uses. I'll make you fishers of men. These two guys he's calling, they're fishermen. They're getting ready for cast their nets. And he goes, hey, boys, they follow me. And I'll teach you how to, I'll make you a fisherman. It's just interesting that Jesus uses those words and that illustration when it comes to Christian living or discipleship. Um, and then Paul later in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And one thing I want to mention to us is if you're really following Christ, if you're really following, Jesus says in, old, in, in his words in Matthew 4, if you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. Now, just hear those words. There's so much in there. Not if you go to a workshop, not if you go to a conference, not if you go to seminary, not if you go to a church and take a class, you'll be a fisher of men. No, just you follow me. You're with me. You know me. Come to me. You have a relationship with me. You're you're a Christian. You follow me. And here's the the spillover effect. If you follow me, you're going to get made. I'm going to make you. I'm not going to just show you how. I'm going to make you. This is who you are. You're a fisher of men. Like you become a person that fishes for men, not to prey on people and take advantage of people. No, you want souls to know Jesus. You're a fisher of men. You want people to come to the kingdom. This is all in the context of Jesus beginning his ministry of preaching the gospel. And something that I love, because Paul, as we've studied Paul's life, this guy really is following Jesus. And you know what he also is doing? He's a, of, he's a fisher of man. And the way in which, if you study Paul's life closely, that's why I want to go slow. Because that's what we're doing. I want us to look at Paul and imitate him. But remember this, he's imitating Christ. He's following Jesus, literally. Literally. And Jesus is making Paul a fisher of men. And the way Paul fishes for men is incredible. That's why I was like, dude, we got to go through this thing slow. And this is not the first time we see Paul in action. But this one in particular, there's just so much stuff that Luke kind of hacks in on Paul's witness right now that I just feel like, man, this is a stellar example. If you are a follower of Christ tonight, if you are a Christian, and you are. So struggling or maybe not even caring about the salvation of the lost and you're not doing anything about it, I hope and pray tonight this puts a little fire under your cole. Because if you are a follower of Christ, if we are followers, we are, we get made fishers of men. We want to be evangelists. We, 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 we actually do want to open our mouths, interact with people in such a way that they hear our message. And like what Brian was saying, we'll pl- in our hearts, we're like, please hear this. Please patiently hear this. And we'll do it in a way that is seasoned with grace and salt. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, we'll catch some fish. Or we'll see people come to self-saving faith. I mean, fishers of men. I don't know if you've you know, we've been going through Acts and there's a lot of things we've been learning about our identity as children of God, we're citizens, we're soldiers, we're saints. Um, We are ambassadors in chains. But tonight I want to reflect on this. You know what you are? You're a fisher of men. You're a fisher of men. And man anthropos, that's men and women. It's not just guys. It's just people. So this is what we're going to do as we walk through this, we're going to glean from this fisher of men. If you want to put it like this, we're going spearfishing with Paul. and We're going to hop in the water with him. And we're going to watch what he does. We're going to watch how he swims. We're going to watch how he stalks. We're going to watch how he dives. We're going to watch how he catches. We're going to watch how he casts the net. Again, Jesus is the one doing all the catching. He's the one doing all the saving. But he calls us like he called the disciples and said, hey, follow me. And I'll make you a fisher of men. So, this is big now, guys. Because you guys know people that I don't know. You and I interact with people that we don't know. But these people, they don't know this. That after tonight's word, there's going to be a fisher of men in their midst that loves and cares for their soul. So let's get in the water. Let's go and let's glean from this fisher of men. Verse one, it says this. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. And Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. Let's pause there. Let's just build some context and realize what's happening here. This is beautiful stuff. This is the king of the land speaking to a prisoner in chains. And he says, speak. Paul is in chains, but what's not chained is the message he bears. It's a beautiful thing. Here's the point right here. Paul's bound. You got to understand he's bound with chains right now. He's in a situation where you would think is unlikely for him to advance in ministry no but it's the word of god is not bound you see that you got permission paul in the greek it's your turn you're allowed to speak tell us what's good paul say something and you gotta think man how patiently this fisher of men waited for that moment right all the way up until this moment he's been cut off there's been riots every time he had a chance to speak. He wouldn't get very far in his speech until someone finally started to chew his head off and he got thrown in chains or passed around. This must have been such a moment of like, oh my gosh, this is it. The king is saying, all right, man, you got the floor. And I just think it's wonderful because the king's telling the prisoner, speak. Speak. 2 Timothy 2, 8-9, through 9, Jesus, uh, Paul says this to young Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. And he tells Timothy, I'm suffering, bound with chains, as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. It's a beautiful thing. In other words, you can chain the messenger, but you can't chain the message. In other words, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot stop the gospel do you love that, Christian? No scheme of Satan, no political power, no weapon forged by man can stop this message from coming. Matthew 16, Peter replied, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That's big there. That's the message. Jesus answered him, bro, you blessed exactly what he said right there simon barjona flesh and blood has not revealed this what's this what you just said the gospel i'm the christ the son of the living god i'm the messiah remember this is why paul is on trial because this is what he believes and then jesus says this peter you are so blessed because god in heaven revealed that gospel to you and then he says this you're peter but upon this rock this rock of a revelation that you just got from God. I'm going to build my church. And then Jesus says this, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. In other words, you can't stop this. It is unstoppable. The message that Paul is about to deliver is a ferocious lion coming out of its cage and nothing can stand in its way. It's a fierce fire that is fanning through the land. And that is a word of encouragement for a believer tonight. Because if you got that gospel in your heart, in your DNA, that's what you believe and breathe in. Know this, nobody can stop it. Nobody can stop it. And I wonder if in that moment, like what Tani was doing when she was sitting in the seats of the Jews, the Jews didn't want Paul to speak it anymore. And then now there's this huge, huge audience. And they're sitting there like, oh, just kill him. Or we didn't get to lynch him or... Hush him up. And then the king says, Paul, speak. I imagine the Jews being like, no. You're right. Like just inwardly. Because they were trying so hard to stop it. But here's the thing with God. you can't stop it. You can't stop him. You can't stop his word. And I love this stuff. It is good, good stuff. So Agrippa gives Paul the floor. And as we listen to Paul speak, Let's get some tips from this Fisher of Men. Verse 2 he says, look at how Paul does this. I consider myself fortunate. Macairos. I am blessed. I am favored. I am stoked. Now he says that it is before you King Agrippa. Now let's let's read a little bit more and then we'll come back to that. I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. Verse 3, especially because you, king, are familiar with all the customs and the controversies of the Jews. Let's rewind the tape a little bit, but look at this. I consider myself fortunate before you. Do you realize who he's talking to right now? The history of the Herods is a horrific history. Let's just put this in its better mood right now. Herod the Great attempted assassination on baby Jesus. Remember that? Herod Antipas. Um, he beheaded John the Baptist. Herod Agrippa I, he ran James through with a sword. Herod Agrippa II, this is the guy who he's talking to. So you got to think, can you imagine being before someone like that? And he's no better than his, his fathers and his, the, the guys before him. Like, I want you to imagine the mood. Like, imagine being before someone like a Hitler. Like, literally, someone like that bad. And he has a history and a heritage of a whole montage of guys that are just like, we're so anti-righteousness and truth and Jesus. And he's standing up over him and Paul looks up at him and he knows, I know, like, Berniki, your, your sister, there's, you're probably in an incest relationship. He, he knows all this baggage on this guy that he's speaking to. Come on, honestly, if you were there, if I was there, don't you think you would, how would you talk to such a guy? How would you feel? Like, if a guy like that says, okay, hey, Chris, so what? Tell me what's up. Be, oh. You ready? You know, there would be this sense of a temptation to kind of have this condescending nuance to your language, right? And then what, is, what comes out of Paul's mouth? This amazing fisher of men. He says, with respect, I consider myself fortunate to be before you, king. Agrippa. Oh my gosh. That is not such a meek introduction. is not. You know, the Jews in the house, they don't like King Agrippa. The governor Festus, then, they don't like King Agrippa. They're probably just playing politics like, yeah, sure, we could be friends, but I don't really think they care about the king. You read Josephus' stuff and the reputation of King Agrippa, people only feared him because he, he was in charge, but nobody respected him. So Paul, to speak like this, guys, this is big stuff. Here's the thing I want us to see, though, because he is fortunate. And he's not just he's not just saying that Paul's not lying. He's not buttering up the king. But look at what he says. He says, this is why I'm, I feel fortunate. Because you're familiar with all the customs and the controversies like, OK, I'm going to give you I'm going to say something to you, king, and, and you're going to be able to hear this like I really believe you can. And here's why I also think Paul feels himself fortunate is remember he's a fisher of men. He actually cares. He cares about the king. He cares about this horrific ruler. This this very dark and twisted political ruler over him. He cares. There's no Paul is not like Felix and Festus guys who are just trying to flatter him. But here's the first point of as fishers of men, we are to be gracious with our words. Guys, we got to learn how to do that. You want to be a fisher of men? You got to learn how to be gracious with your words reg- regardless of who you're speaking to. Don't be all gracious and kind with your words to someone that's re- you respect. Someone who else is also a believer. But then what happens when you're in the presence of someone that's super duper worldly and super duper arrogant? And thinks himself to be better than you. Or she thinks herself to be better than you. How do we speak to them? Here's Paul's counsel. He writes to the Colossian church in chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us. And here's what we're praying for. That God would open a door for us, for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ. And on account which, which I'm in prison. You see that? Paul's a fisher of man, man. He's all like, just pray for a door. But then he gives him some wisdom and insight. He says, pray this. This is how you can pray for me. That I make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. And that I walk in wisdom with outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech be gracious. You see that? Colossians 4. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul is so good at this. He knows his audience. He's talking to the king of the Jews right now. But rewind the tape. Remember back in Acts 17 when he was at Mars Hill, in the, the really like kind of intellectual, philosophical area, all the Gentiles? Do you remember how he spoke to them? Season with grace and salt. He didn't, his first thing out of his mouth when he got finally put up in the, on the hill wasn't like, oh, y'all idolaters you guys are messed up. That's not how he starts his address. He says, hey, you know what? I noticed you guys are really religious here. Like you guys really have this reverence and respect of some sort of higher power. And you know, I was walking up here and I noticed there's this altar. And it, on it, it said, there's an, to an unknown God. That's, that's cool. That's crazy. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Cause I, I, I know God, I know his name. Actually. You want to know his name? You see how Paul, Seasons his words when he speaks to the outsider, to the non-believer. And right now with, with, with King Agrippa, he finds that natural point of contact. Like, hey, we're Jewish. Y- you know our customs and stuff. And I'm so glad we're talking, King. I'm so fortunate because uh, you, know you know what I'm talking about. And that's how he begins. It's just an amazing thing. I think as fishers of men, guys, we stumble on this really bad we we engage and interact with people and right off of the surface you, you're looking at the person and you see what they wear you see how they dress you see how they talk and we're so quick to form all these opinions and all these uh, you know presumptions about them and, and and then when we interact and say something it's not seasoned with salt it's not gracious and even if we're trying to get in there and we want you know if you really assess yourself and think about it, is our words seasoned with salt? Is it filled with grace? And if it's not, there's a deeper problem there. Maybe we need to go back to Matthew 4 and maybe you're not following Jesus as you think you are because Jesus says, if you follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher. I'll make you a good one time with me and you'll know how to spend time with people it's a beautiful thing let's keep going there's so much stuff let's 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 keep let us get back in the water let's 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 keep swing swimming with this spear fisherman paul who's so good at what he does then he says this okay so first he he's gracious with his words he speaks to this tyrant in such a true and respectable way. And then he says, therefore, I beg you. De'omai. I want. I long. I desire. I pray earnestly. That's the the word, de'omai. I'm begging. I really want what? You to listen. A cool to hear me out. Consider what I'm saying. I want you to actually understand this. Are you ready, king? And then he says, I'm begging you, hear this patiently. Why would Paul say that? Because what he has to share, he's not trying to just give this little quick, little, quick little gospel presentation, throw this flyer in his face, this track. He's like, Okay, what I'm going to say, it's going to take some time. But here's the first thing I want you to see. By him begging for him to hear him out, that tells us this guy cares. He cares. Here's the second point. As fishers of men, we must have a heart for the hearer. We must have a heart for the hearer. Our words must be seasoned with grace and salt, but we must have a heart for the hearer. It says this in Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. Remember, Paul is imitating Jesus. He's following Jesus and he's living like him. But look at Jesus doing it. Verse 35 says, Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. You see that? He's sending out the message, but he's not just speaking. Jesus is not just some itinerant preacher. This is what he's doing. He's healing every disease and every affliction. Now that healing is, oh it's not, Yeah, oh my, which is the miraculous, like Jesus is not walking around going, and everyone's getting healed. He's putting on a waistband. He's putting garments around him. He's getting on his knees and he's mending people's wounds. That's a different picture. He's giving of himself physically. Why? Verse 36, he saw the crowds and he had compassion. He got a heart. He's not just like, okay, come hear me speak. Ah, the kingdom of God. Repent and be saved. Shoots. See you later. You want to talk? I'll, I'll schedule you next week. No, he's, he preaches. He speaks. He spends time with these people. And this is what Matthew gives us insight. He's moved with compassion. That word is so big. It's the guts. He's moved in his bowels. Why? Because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What do you see when you're before the non-believer? Jesus sees people that need help, and they're hurting, and he loves them. What does Paul see when he's standing before Agrippa? He's in chains, but he sees, no, you're in chains. Agrippa, you're the one that's enslaved, not me. And in your pomp, and in your pride, and in your arrogance, I still love you, and I still care, and I'm begging you, please hear this. Oh. I don't think I would, have, I would have such a heart before such a person. I really had to ask the Lord for me to repent. You know, in my, in, my, in my personal evangelism, I have no problem hanging out and talking story to the person who feels like a loser or is rejected or is outcasted or is needy because they, they're, they're needy. They're going to want to hear about the love of God. They're going to want a savior. But you know who I have a hard time with? All the people who think they're something. And in my own flesh, I reciprocate back that to them. I look down on the rich person. I don't think when Jesus was ministering to the rich young ruler and he went away crying because he couldn't give up his stuff. I don't think Jesus was like, yeah, take that, buddy. Look at him cry. Yeah. I don't think, I think Jesus was hurt and broken. Because he's missing it. When Pastor Bob was preaching on Sunday, right? That famous guy, when he died, he wasn't clinging to his keys or any of that. The Bible. The Bible. Because he came to a place where he finally realized, and that's the part where I think Paul was like, dude, if God could save a, uh, someone like me, he could save you, King Agrippa. So please listen up. Oh, it's such a beautiful thing. Remember when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't say, I'll make you fishers of certain men. Follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of the local people, Chris. You're going to be the guy that reaches um, just the, the poor the poor brothers, Chris. Or just the rich people, Chris. No, just men. Everyone. Paul is an all things to all men kind of guy. He ministers to the poor. He ministers to the rich. He ministers to everyone in between Jew, Gentile, no matter. This is the heart church we must, must foster. I know I'm not there yet. So when we go around day to day and you're interacting with people, ask the Lord. Make me a fisher of man who has a heart for the hearer. Just let me care. Like, I have a question that I ask myself. Like, when I'm ministering to someone, or I'm trying to witness to someone, I want you guys to think about it, like, right now. You have a family member, a, a friend, or someone that you know is an unbeliever, and you're, you're trying, you're trying to, to share Jesus with them, with your life and your words. Ask yourself this, do you really want them to get it? Like, do you really want them to get this? He's saying, I beg you, listen to me patiently. He's about to give the word. Do you really want them to get this? Because I do think we're skewed in the broader evangelical world of what evangelism is. We are begging people to come to my program, come to my church, and have a good experience. I'm begging you, try this out. But in deep down in our core, in our heart, you're a fisher of men. You are an evangelist. Do you beg and hope and pray? I want you to hear the message of Christ. And I can tell you, like, that's evangelism, brothers and sisters. Now, those other things are not wrong in and of themselves. They can be means to the message. But you're the ministers. I'm The minister, you're the evangelist. I'm the evangelist. And all throughout the day, there's fish everywhere, right? In the same text in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful. And then what does Jesus say? Just no more workers. Paraphrase, there's no more fishers of men. That's who we are. That's why I said before with this, when we started, this is big guys, because there's a handful of us here. And if, if the spirit of God awakens who we are, You and I are going to go into spheres of of people, and they don't know what's coming. Fishers of men are coming, but fishers of men that care, we love them, and we're going to give them Jesus. It's a good plead when he says, I'm begging you, Agrippa, listen to me and listen patiently. Because Paul says he knows there's a time coming that people will not listen patiently. They're not going to endure it. They're not going to want to hear this. This is in 2 Timothy 4. It says, they're going to want to hear people that tell them fluffy stuff, but they're not going to want to hear the good word. So Agrippa, I'm begging you, please hear me. You know, whenever I get a head-turner reaction in my personal evangelism, like, I'll just say something seasoned with salt to just throw it out there to see if I get a little bite here. Sometimes, like, um, when people ask me how I'm doing, uh, I, I say this a lot, I say, a lot better than I deserve. Um, and there's been a couple of times where someone bit, and one of, one of my, well, he's kind of my friend, not really. He, he's an acquaintance. I would, I would call him a friend. I think he'd call me one back. But he goes, oh, nah, nah. you just beeping, beeping, beeping generous. You're just being, beeping hum, uh, humble. And I was like, and then I, and I'll say this. I go, no, I, I, I really believe that. Like, I, I am doing a lot better than I deserve. He goes, oh, and I'll be, and I'll be honestly, do you want to know why, though? And I'll just say, this, I'll be, honestly, do you want to know why? I was surfing one day and this, uh, this girl paddles up to me and we're talking and then uh, she finds out that I'm a pastor. And so she paddles around and she goes, hey, how does someone be a pastor? Like, how does that happen? Because like, I don't know. I feel like pastors don't look like you. I was like, you know, and, I'm like, so, so and, then, and then I go like this to the girl. I go, hey, honestly? Yeah, i like on my board now. I'm like, honestly, do you really want to know? And she's like, uh, yeah. Right there. But like the thing is though, like in my heart, do I really want these people to know? Because that's a big thing. I think sometimes we we have so much opportunities, but we brush it off because honestly, we don't really want them to know. We'll just defer to like, oh yeah, come 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 to this, invite here. Or maybe we're scared we don't know how to or whatnot. But wherever the case you're at right now, I just want you to reflect and pause and ponder, guys, because we're fishers of men. And you have a treasure carrying around in your jar of clay, and if we really understood what we got, oh my gosh, it's open season. Let's go, buddy. Do you realize what we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you realize it to the place where you're like what Brian brought up in observation? You're walking around begging people, please consider this. That's our heartbeat. Is that our heartbeat? And if not, brothers and sisters, if we're not fishers of men that have a heart, then perhaps we rewind and go back to Matthew 4. Are you following him? Maybe we're not following him as we think we are. Verse 4, it says this. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation. He's continuing on his defense. Um, is known by all the Jews and for a long time. And then he says, you know, I'm according to the strictest party of our religion. And I've lived as a Pharisee. I'm standing on here on trial because of my hope and the promise made by God, our fathers. And here's big things to note here. And so he's, he's first starting to talk about, I am a Pharisee and I'm a strict one. Meaning like, I'm like top-notch Pharisee. That's key to note. He's talking to who? The Jews. He's not at the Mars Hill. He's talking to the Jews. He knows his audience. Then he says, Okay, and know this about Pharisees. Their hope is in the resurrection. And then he says, I'm standing on trial because of my hope. Yeah. Okay? So he's like, I'm a real Pharisee. I'm legit. I hope in the resurrection. This is why I'm on trial. This is promise made by God. Our fathers. Christian pointed out in observation time. Look at the guy. He says, our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our 12 tribes. That's Israel. Our tribes that hope as they earnestly worship day and night this hope why is it incredible that you think that God raises the dead here, here, this is what I'm trying to help us see this is what Paul is trying to do he's trying to make it clear I have this hope you have this hope we have the same hope King Agrippa you have this zeal to worship I have this zeal we have this zeal And what he's building up towards in the resurrection, he doesn't say it in our text tonight. We're going to stop at 11. But he's building up for verse 22 and 23. Let's do a little fast forward, sneak peek to our next episode next week. Okay, it's not a spoiler. This is just like, look at it. It's good. Um, Verse 22, this is what he's building up for. I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. That the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to the people and to the Gentiles. That's the big like boom moment. And, but he's building up to there. all right. He's building up in his speech. And so what I want us to see, though, is he's a careful craftsman with his words and he knows his audience is at odds with him. But he's trying to build that bridge and bring them in and he's connecting the dots and he's, he's building, he's, he's getting ready to cast his net. And the way he's doing it is he's bringing them to the cross. He's bringing them to Christ. He's, he's bringing them to verse 22. Here's the point, though, as fishers of men, we must prepare to cast the net by bringing the hearer to the cross of Christ. He's not getting there yet, just yet. All right? He doesn't just come blazing out of the gate saying, Jesus, the Christ, Son, of the living God, repent, believe right now. He doesn't just come out like that, right? seasons his words he he, he he shows this person he cares about this person and now he's trying to connect the dots and build his case and get to the place where he can talk about christ but that's something i think we lack in our personal evangelism as fishers of men sometimes we just cruise with people and we just season with grace and salt and salt and pepper and salt 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 and salt and salt, salt and we just never really kind of get to a place of biting any like, like like getting them in we, we, we'll put a lot of work into building this nice bridge and you know i have this surfer friend i have this 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 starbucks friend or i have you know and, and you have this nice bridge and you're your friends and they welcome you and you talk all the time but what you never do is you never cross the bridge you know what i'm talking about we just don't get there paul is building it but he's gonna get there we're gonna get there next week. But I want us to see that as a fisher of men, we need to pray and ask God for wisdom. Like, get ready to cast your net. Like, like you want to cast the net, right? Like, you want to get to the cross, right? You want to get to, the, to Christ. Because you're a fisher of men and you believe that there's only one name under heaven by which all men are saved and it's Jesus. It's not your name. I thought to myself, for those who consider Chris Morales a friend of theirs and they don't know Jesus, I would hate to think, that one day they would say, you never said nothing to me. You never told me about Jesus. You never told me about what he's done. You didn't, you didn't even, nothing. You shot me an invite to church, maybe that's it, but why didn't you just tell me? Can you imagine that at the end of all this? I, I, that, that fears me. That I'd be a fisher, a fisher of men that has all these nets and all this equipment and ready to cast it. Hey, never. I never even think of casting a net. I wonder if some of us are here tonight. Like you do have a heart for the person you're praying for. You do care about your, your, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your coworker, your friend, your neighbor. You do care. You do want them to know Jesus. But you need to follow with Christ a little bit more. You need to look at guys like Paul and realize, hey, there's a time to pull the trigger, son. And no shame, no scared. It's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And Paul is building to that moment. And he's doing it winsomely. But he's, he's going to hit it with weights. And let's just look at one more point, And we'll bring this to a close tonight. Again, there's a lot in his witness and his fishing that we can glean from. So here's the last thing. Verse 9 to 11. And we'll pause. He says, okay, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus. I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison and receiving authority from the chiefs, when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Notice his language now. He's saying, I was convinced of this. This is how I used to think. This is what I've done. I did this, I did this, I was, I opposed, I locked up, I put to death, I punished, I tried to make them blaspheme. I was raging and furious, I persecuted. Whoa. You see what Paul's doing? Here's the last point. As a fisher of men, we make it, we must make it clear we're in the same boat of sin as them. He's not trying to broaden this, push the, push them away. And make this big gap between King Agrippa and Paul. He's not like the Pharisee who prayed in Luke, thank God that I'm not like these sinners. Brothers, sisters, be careful, because I wonder if in our personal evangelism, we may not say stuff, but I wonder if we talk and act in such a way where the non-believers around us, and they feel like we're condescending. They feel like this impression like, oh, are you better than me? And we push, we distance. What we need to do as fishers of men is like what Paul's doing. He's saying, I myself am just like you. Worse. Worse. Why would I say worse? Because Paul said he's worse. First Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost. I'm the worst. See, Paul was more at home with the tax collector. In the, in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee said, I thank God that I'm not like other men, all these extortioners, unjust sinners. I fast, I do this, I do this. But then the, the tax collector said, have mercy on me, oh God, a sinner. Couldn't even look up. See, as fishers of men, brothers and sisters, let's not leave that place. Let's not forget what we were when we were first called. That's what Paul tells, it, tells the church in Corinth. And don't forget who you was, right? And Paul is not forgetting in this moment. Let me read it for you. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 26 to 31. You can write it down and I'll read it. He says, consider your calling. Not many of you were wise, meaning you wasn't that smart. Not many of you were powerful. You was not that strong. Not many of you were noble birth. You weren't that good. But here's what you were. God chose the foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. So no human being might boast in the presence of God. If anyone's going to boast, boast in the Lord. Not many of you are wise. Not many powerful. Not many noble. You were nothings and nobodies when God came and found you. Here's the problem we forget. And then when we leave these walls, and because we have these righteous robes, somewhere along the line, we forget grace. We walk out of it and leave it as if and we build up this self-righteousness. And when we interact with non-believers, we care. And we don't look at them with compassion in our eyes. You look at them, and we look at them, and we scoff, and we scorn, and we judge, and we're, we're so quick to critique. We need to beg for repentance and ask the Lord, rip that pride out of us. Put in us a renewed compassion and concern for the lost, for the religious lost people. The Spirit of God need to kick my acolyte this week, and I'm glad he does every single time. I was exposed to how much heartlessness was in Chris Morales for the people who are on their way to hell right around. And when you get on your knees and beg the Lord of Lords, change my heart, oh God, he does church. Remember who you are. You're a fisher of men. You care about your family. You care about your your friends, your coworkers. You want them to know this stuff, don't you? That's in your heart if you're a Christian. And if it's not in your heart, then I beg you, examine yourself to see if Christ is in you. If that's not in us, examine ourselves and we got to go back follow follow christ jesus said follow me i'll make you this a fisher of men fishers of men we got clear we are in the same boat we were just like all have sinned and come short of the glory of god we all like sheep have gone astray so there will never be a moment in my life existence regardless of how close and 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 clean I can come to Christ because I can by the by the power of of the cross I can and I am and I want more but there will never be a place where I'll ever in my heart look at another sinner and another non-believer around me and think that I'm better as if I've earned this and you did not. King Agrippa I'm in chains but you are in chains man and I'm begging you to hear me out I care I love you so listen up and next week we're gonna hear him deliver. This is all the introduction. But what I hope for us to see, this is Fishers of Men Part 1. Man, isn't he awesome? And remember this. Even though we read on and it doesn't appear that King Agrippa comes to the faith, he doesn't. That wasn't a failure. Guys, faithfulness is our success. Remember that. You can be the best fisher of men and like Jeremiah, have slim to none converts. Don't hang your head. And don't get sloppy. Don't let our evangelism just be like, there you go. Track, 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 track. Come Church of Light, shoots. Don't be like that in our hearts. We must not. Don't, don't let our evangelism become a quota. Like, all right, I guess I just said, should say something about Jesus today. If that's our hearts, come back to following Christ. That's the, that's the reset button. Because when you spend time with Jesus, you can't help it. You care about everyone and you want them to hear this good news so let's pray let's let's pause let's really we're going to close in a song to solidify these things but right now um i'll ask you let's do this in matthew 4 first the first minute of prayer re, re, realign your heart to follow christ all right remember he doesn't say Go take, a, go take a class or this or that. Those things can be helpful, but that's not what makes you a fisher of men. What makes a fisher of men is they're following Jesus. So realign your heart, come back, repent. If you feel like you've been drifting, if you're just like bogged in your sin this evening, if, if, if your affections with Christ is just dry and stale, you, you, you know, personal evangelism, thinking of other people is just like the farthest thing. Um, or maybe you're doing it, but you're doing it mechanically. We start here, follow him come to me, come to me. Um, pray for Christ's heart for the world around you. Um, people in your spheres of influence. The second thing is pray, pray for Christ's heart to cast the net. Like, like pray things like, okay, like God, give me a heart to actually want to pull the trigger, cast the net, all right? And lastly, pray for Christ's presence. Like stay there. Keep me with you. Keep me coming to you. Because remember, he said, right, go make disciples of all nations. I'm with you. When you're with him, you are a fishers of men, and you'll do it well and gloriously. Everyone you interact with may not come to the faith, but that's not yours and my job. You will be a faithful fishers of men. So you could use these um, these bullet points here to kind of guide your prayer right now i'm gonna get ready for the song and leave some space for us to pray but let's go to the lord lord as we reflect now we take in your word we pray that you'd fill us up remind us of who we are in christ remind us that we have a mission here god no regrets i don't want no regrets for my life for my church's life for our lives as individuals we don't want to We don't want to come to their funeral and and feel this, oh, why did I not do something? We don't want that. We want to be faithful. want to live the life you've died to give us. want to be moved. We want you to make us fishers of men. So please work with us, deal deal with us right now, Jesus. As the Spirit leads, go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Use the slide if you need to, and then we'll sing. that you would fill us and send us and remind us of who we are in you. We are fishers of men. We are workers that need to be sent. So fill us up now and send us out and uh, help us to do it together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Right on. Uh, Love you guys. Feel free to fellowship as long as you want.